We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this left on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Welcome back to another edition of the Butting Heads Podcast from Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Barrow. As always, I'm here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's a post-draft podcast, possibly our maybe maybe our last really timely relevant podcast until the season starts, which we don't even know when that's gonna happen. How are you feeling about this one? You know, I was I was looking forward to the NFL draft for such a long time. Uh, because I, I knew this was going to be like one of the only times we we're going to get anything close to sports. And now that it's gone, I'm like a little depressed. I'm not going to lie. So <laughs> I, I, I came like literally right the second the draft ended. This was like one of the only times I've actually watched from start to end uh, the entire NFL draft. And the second it ended, I was entirely depressed because I have no idea when we're going to get more sports. I was going to ask if you watched all of day three. And hey, I did. we got our answer. Uh, I'll be honest, man. I didn't watch any of day three. <laughs> it's <laughs> it's tough, man. And like, <laughs> like, like I'm quarantined with my girlfriend. The draft's on. I don't know if you, like, as a sports fan and as a football fan, I love the draft, but... 
if you don't if you don't really have an interest in football, it is the absolute most boring thing ever. Especially when you don't even get to see like the players get all excited, walk onto the stage. Like it's I I enjoyed it. Uh, I thought the broadcast was fine, but like if you're not into sports and you got to sit there and watch three hours of just people talking about a virtual draft like it's 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 just it's a tough ask man but we as sports fans we needed it oh yeah absolutely and i totally understand what you're saying because i even had you know some of my friends and uh family members ask me like how do you get excited when you don't even know if there's gonna be a season and i'm like uh well i don't want to think about that so (laughs) I'm pretending that the season's going to happen. Don't ruin it for me. Uh, I, I think, I know, it's, it's crazy. I think I have a one of my, my dynasty fantasy leagues. Is, they're pushing up their <laughs> the rookie draft. So I think I have a draft like Sunday now. Uh, incredibly unprepared for that, but I'm sure everyone is. And, yeah, like the, we don't even know if the season's going to happen. I mean, Johnny and I were talking before the, the draft or before the pod, like, I feel like they will do everything they can to start on time with or without fans, but like we have, no, we don't know, we don't know what everything is going to be like in two months. Nobody, nobody has any idea. We don't know what next week is going to look like, man. It's, it's just uh, to quote every advertisement made during the pandemic. Uh, these are uncertain times. Yeah, <laughs> I, I have to say there was this. Uh, I don't know if Steve, if you get get these uh, commercials, um, I, I don't know if this was just like a California thing, but I I remember getting this commercial that says "Together Alone," and I'm just thinking that is the most horrible marketing message you can say at this time. Like I get what they were trying to say. I get they were trying to say, okay, we're in this together. Which sounds so much better than together alone. I, it just—it sounds horrible the way they put it. It's. Um, <laughs> did you did you see that, Steve? I I didn't see that specific one, but I've I've seen some some not great ones. I, I work in advertising, so I've been keeping up with a lot of this stuff. But it's like there there was a highlight reel on YouTube. It was like. 15 different brands commercials and like they all started out exactly the same it was like shots of empty cities voiceover saying in these uncertain times everyone saying we're in this together it's uh you gotta have some uniqueness man and yeah like together alone uh it's pretty sad that's a pretty depressing thing and uh contrary to what the espn draft broadcast believed people don't really want to read depressing things right now no (laughs) <laughs> no we don't oh my god every every pick i feel like they're bringing up the darkest moments of like everyone's life like like if you're gonna bring up like a couple times for people that had real like huge impacts on how they played or like the jersey number they wore that's fine dude they were pulling out like sad facts for every other pick <laughs> that's so true like come on Come on, <laughs> why? Huh. was it was insane. Uh, but anyways, the the draft happened. We're here, uh, and if you, if you haven't, be sure to check out our other shows. 
Rams Talk Radio, obviously, uh, the other show at the moment. Uh, but Johnny was on one of those pods. Derek, Derek's been cranking him out, draft coverage. So if you need more after this, definitely go back, check those out. And, hey, give us a five-star review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, send it to us, tell us who's entering. When we hit 200 five-star reviews, you'll be entered to win a customized, personalized Rams jersey, whichever one you want. Uh, throwback, navy blue if you really want to, or whatever the new jersey's on, or you'll be entered to win that. Uh, but, okay, I let's let's start with this before we get into the individual players. This it seems like this has been a pretty polarizing draft among uh, Rams fans, and I'd say even even experts a little bit. How how are you feeling exiting this draft? It's uh it's an interesting draft because uh, you could totally tell that the Rams front office went in with a plan, and uh, you know obviously you can't plan out everything in the draft because um, there's so much to it. But overall, I feel like they executed the way they wanted it to, and it didn't seem all over the place like in past years. So um, in a lot of these picks, they were very tactical, and you could totally make sense of each and every one of them, with the exception of a few, and we'll get to them. But um, overall, I would say I'm, I'm for the most part happy. Just there was a few picks in there that I, I just I can't help but question you know, the Rams moving forward with it. Um, but yeah, for the most part, I felt okay about it. How are you thinking, Steve? I, 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 I think like, I, I just did some research for the pod. Uh, you got, you guys know, I haven't been super into this shit draft wise. Uh, so looking at the prospects, you know, I, I think for the most part, I like the players we took, but we are a team with, you know, we had we had some needs. We have one glaring need at inside linebacker. We lost Corey Littleton, probably I'd say the second best player in our defense last year. I don't think that's crazy to say, right? Uh, absolutely not. I, I think that's that's actually the correct thing to say. Yeah, so you lose Littleton, you don't you don't choose to bring him back. That's another topic, but you don't sign anyone to replace him. The guys on your roster are extremely unproven. And you go into this draft and you don't take an inside linebacker till like the seventh round. Uh, that just seems unbelievably crazy to me. And we'll talk about some of the other positions we chose to address uh, instead of inside linebacker, which I I don't love. Uh, we've all been saying we didn't want them to go running back at 52. They did. Uh, Cam Akers, we'll, we'll talk about him later. But I, I think... The guys they drafted, they seem like good picks. They seem like good prospects, but they're they're trusting internally again that the next men will step up at a certain certain positions, most notably and pretty clearly inside linebacker and offensive line, uh, which I think we've been at least I feel like I've been suspecting an offensive line that we have more there than a lot of people are giving them credit for. But we did this last year. We went internal at a lot of positions, uh, and even then, we went internal inside at offensive line, and we still drafted guys that ended up paying off. And, it, and but the going internally, it didn't totally work out last year, and that 
that makes me nervous. You know, you go receiver and running back in the second round. Those are both luxury picks. They're both picks that over time will probably be important. But today, you didn't need to add those players to the team as much as you might have needed to add a Willie Gay, a Julian Arquara, guys that were there. Um, but it's – I don't hate the class, but I don't love how they chose to dress certain positions is what I'll say. I think that's that's fair enough. Like, uh, I, I think there were certain positions that they should have addressed inside linebacker being one of them. Uh, and like I said, we'll we'll discuss this more in depth as we go to each individual player. But um, specifically inside linebacker, I think one of the reasons why they didn't select an inside linebacker is just because the class was a very weak class at the position. That doesn't necessarily excuse the fact that they didn't make really an attempt until the seventh round. Yeah, that that's not saying much. So I, I think they're aware of it. It's just they weren't high on the guys that they could have um, that they could have got and just went based solely on volume uh, uh, on value rather. Um, so I, I think that's something to really keep in mind when you're looking into some of these picks. Uh, it, it, it's, it's hard because you, there was no way that the Rams were going to cover all their needs in this draft because you're, there was so little picks that they had, but overall, I, I, I think there is an explanation for the majority of their picks and uh, I'm sure there is a strategy just uh, what it what some of those strategies are. I don't think is very clear at the moment. Well, yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to uh, your <laughs> what picks you didn't like now because lo- I love me a good rant. Um, but yeah, man, let, let, let's get into it. Let's start. We come up at 52. Uh, apparently, they got trade offers at the position. They chose not to take them 52 they go what a lot of us were dreading running back uh they go cam Akers, 52 second straight year they drafted a running back uh we last year obviously they took daryl henderson cam Akers, running back out of florida state the guy they took this year not the first time less needs done this uh in the past we had Zach Stacy had a good year. Next year we take Trey Mason, has a good year. The next day we take Todd Gurley, effectively ruining the previous two running back drafts, but obviously that one worked out. So here we are. Uh, Cam Akers and any of us like me who were a little annoyed they took a running back, the Eagles certainly made this feel a little easier when they took Jalen Hurts with the next pick, uh, which, I mean... God help us. Thank God we didn't make that pick. And not not anything that's Jalen Hurts just seems like, like an insane thing to take a quarterback at 53. But anyways, Johnny, what what are your thoughts on Cam Akers? Uh, do you like the prospect? Do you like – do you think if they were to go running back here, was he the guy they should have gone? Okay, so um, I, I think for those listeners that have been listening to both of us um, on Butting Heads for the past – well, month, uh, we have both expressed how we didn't really want to see a running back at pick 52. And I still s- sort of stand by it to to an extent. 
I I don't hate the pick just because of the type of player Cam Akers is. I, I mean, Cam Akers is truly, if the Rams are going to take a running back at pick 52, I would have definitely wanted it to be Akers. And, and in, in some degree, I was not expecting Akers to really be there, or Dobbins for that matter. Um, so it, that, was, that was a pleasant surprise. And for that reason, that makes it a little, that lessens the disappointment a little bit for me, which is why I'm not that disappointed in this pickup per se. Now, I would have loved it to be another um, position of need. Like, I personally would have loved it to be an offensive lineman or, you know, wide receiver, which we ended up taking a receiver the next pick. We'll get to that. But, um, okay, we, we, we ended up taking cam Akers, and i i personally like the prospect i and i i think the for the people that are upset that we took a running back isn't necessarily upset that he isn't skilled because no th- this is a guy that you that any team would be lucky to have on their team or any any player or any wow i can't talk can you teach me to talk today <laughs> so distraught by the pick uh, are you trying yeah, to say that this is a guy any team would like to have on the roster? Yes, yes, thank you, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but um, and, and I think what what it ultimately comes down to is what Acres brings to the team, and that's a decent blocker. That's a guy that uh, can catch balls in the backfield because, as you and I were both very frustrated last year and seeing with Todd Gurley. The, the guy couldn't catch anymore. And yeah. I, I don't know what happened because he wasn't always like that. But it was so frustrating watching, you know, Jared Goff, Goff trying to dump off the passes to Gurley. And it just looked la- so lackadaisical. Um, some of that was partly Goff's fault. But there was a lot of times where it was just simply Gurley not catching the football. So having a guy like Cam Akers there in your arsenal – and kind of mixing that with uh, Daryl Henderson, I think this is a this is going to be a solid one-two punch. Uh, so again, it's not so much Acres being the problem um, because it's a solid pickup, it's a solid player. It's just in terms of needs and in terms of value, uh, I think that's where it gets a lot of people upset. Um, as for me, I, I am a little disappointed, but I can live with it. It's not that big a deal. I think it was for what you're getting. It's certainly someone that we can all grow to love, uh, just as we did with Todd Gurley. We didn't necessarily need Gurley. Yeah, and I think that's a fair a fair thing to compare. You know, it's a similar situation. We the year before we drafted a running back in the third round, uh, who, to be fair, played a lot more than Daryl Henderson did, and to be play probably played better than Trey Mason. But obviously, we didn't. He Cam Akers isn't the prospect that Todd Gurley is. But that being said, uh, I I think you pretty much know that. I don't have a ton to add on. You know, I I would have liked to address a different position here, but we didn't. We took Cam Akers, and based on the YouTube footage and couple articles I've read, I really like the guy. Uh, he's throwing touchdown passes in in these highlight reels I'm watching, uh, and by all accounts, Florida State had a an abysmal offensive line last year, and the dude was still tearing it up, running for 14,000 14, yards, or 1,400 yards. 
14,000, that'd be a little wild. Um, but he, yeah, he seems like a, a great player, a good addition to the running back room. It certainly gives the Rams a little more options, a little more leeway at running back. And I, I don't expect like Daryl Henderson to just die, so to speak, uh, like just fall off the face of the earth, like Trey Mason did when they brought in Todd Gurley. But I, I think we'll see Acres probably be the, the, the leader of the committee with him and Daryl Henderson. I think he'll split time. Uh, Henderson might be better anyways in a, you know, the Mark Ingram, Alvin Kamara type role where he's kind of the guy that comes in a couple plays and lights it up. He was a home run hitter in college. So maybe this will all work out for the better. I didn't think it was a huge need. I don't love that they addressed it here, but I am excited at the prospect of this guy joining the team. And, uh, you know, if, if he turns out to be a, a, another great running back in a long line of Rams running backs, this picks, this picks to be a home run. Moving on to 57, Johnny, I, 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 this, this one still might hurt you. Johnny has been pounding the table uh, for Denzel Mims. He falls to 52 and we don't take him, but he's still there at 57. And we take Van Jefferson, a 20, will be 24 when the season starts, year old, out of Florida slash Old Miss, another wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> give me your thoughts, Johnny. Uh, the whole situation. Oh boy. Okay. So for those of you that uh, tuned into our podcast uh, during the draft, um, you you've already kind of heard my disappointment on this pick. So picture this: we're we're in the second round. Denzel Mims is there for all the rumors that were going around that Mims was going to be in the first round, wasn't even going to come into the second round. I see him, okay, great, he made it into the second round, there's hope. And then pick 52 comes, I see we take Cam Akers, and I'm like, damn, I hope he falls to pick 57. You know, when you really think about it, five picks down doesn't seem like a whole lot from this point of view right now, but during the draft, it feels like an eternity when you're just waiting for that pick to happen. So finally, pick 57 happens. I'm excited. Denzel Mims is there. I know the Rams are going to take a wide receiver, and they do. Lo and behold, they take Van Jefferson. Yeah. Uh, Okay, so let me peel back the layers of disappointment here. So let me start off by saying this. Van Jefferson is a very talented wide receiver. And I think that Van Jefferson would be a good fit on a lot of different teams. With the Rams, I'm not entirely sure that's there. And this becomes more problematic when I think about potential future moves. But before we even get into that, let's discuss the type of player that Van Jefferson is. Van Jefferson is basically a type of possession receiver, a guy that's very reliable, that can basically throw anything you pass at him, doesn't have blazing speed. In fact, he's actually kind of relatively slow compared to others in the league. Um, not entirely small, but not entirely big. Um, but he's he's a 
one of the better route runners in the league. Who does that sound like, Steve? <laughs> Cooper Cup. Yes, yes, it sounds like Cooper Cup. Cooping motherfucking Cup. And that's what's so upsetting about this move. Because, okay, yes, the, Jefferson is going to be a fine player. I have no doubt in my mind. But you have Robert Woods, you have Cooper Cup, you have Josh Reynolds. What do they all have in common? They're not particularly fast. And while you don't need a, like a huge burner, you don't need another Brandon Cooks. There's a reason why he was traded, not just the money, even though that was a big part of the reason. Um, you, you need somebody to differentiate the roster up a little bit. And that's why I like Denzel Mims so much. And in this case, you're basically getting a second uh, Cooper Cup. So this tells me one of two things. One, either there's going to be a lot of just short passes, if anything. Or two, which I did expect even with Denzel Mims. But still, like there's, I, I don't even know how this is going to work without having at least somebody that's fast on the roster, unless you dig deep and go to Nasimba Webster. But, um, yeah. And, so and they're that. not they're not going to dig deep and go to Nasimba Webster. Let's be, let's no, be they're serious. Not. No, they're, they're really not. And so that all that said, the only other thing that can justify this pick is if they're preparing to – let go of um, Cooper Cup in 2021. This is going to be his contract year. Now, this doesn't mean that this is exactly going to happen. I certainly hope that they bring him back. But if you have already a guy with similar stats and he performs very well, then it's entirely possible that they let go of Cooper Cup and this he's gonna probably get so i don't like that idea either because yeah but anyway that's speculation that's still far away in the future let's bring us to the present steve tell us uh your thoughts yeah it's you know maybe they're just looking at how much goff likes throwing a cooper cup and they're like oh let's just bring in another cooper cup uh, in in van jefferson you know he seems like a guy who will be a productive player I don't know, like, how good he's going to be, but at worst, like, a wide receiver three he'll probably be fine at, which we will probably be asking him to do, at least for the next year or two, uh, depending. I, dude, I think they're going to bring back Cooper Cup. I'd, I'd be pretty surprised if they didn't, unless, like, the price tag is completely astronomical. But uh, I I would be pr- pretty surprised if they did not bring him back. But I, either way, yeah, I... If you're going to go receiver here, I think I would have liked Mims too just because he adds a different element to the offense. But maybe they don't want to add a different element to the offense for whatever reason. Maybe they don't think they need that deep threat, that burner, that uh, big target in the red zone, which I think Mims might have been able to tick all those boxes. But instead they bring in a guy who seemingly will produce on day one, similar to how Cooper Cup did. He's on the older side. He's experienced. He does everything like he's a Cooper Cup light. Um, so I, I guess that's their thinking. I don't love the pick. I don't hate it. 
uh, if you're going to address receiver, I would have rather grab somebody with a little more upside. Uh, and, you know, even at, at this pick, like, guys like Josh Uchi are still there at outside linebacker. Guys like Willie Gay are still there at inside linebacker. If you're going to go running back at 52, I don't know if this was a smart pick, but it, it could be worse, I guess. I mean, I mean, he, he, he seems like he'll be a good player, but I, it's a little uninspiring is all I'll say, but you know, you're bringing a productive guy and I don't know. It, it seems like taking Van Jefferson would show that they might not be committing to 12 personnel as much as it seemed like they will, but they did some shit later in the draft that changed our mind and we'll get there. Uh, to, to kind of put one more thing before we move on, Steve, uh, can I stay rest in peace to Denzel Mims? He got drafted by the New York Jets, and that's where all receivers go to die. So, um, rest in peace, Denzel Mims. I don't we, know, man. He's gonna get he's gonna get the Robbie Anderson role. I I don't hate the fit for him. No, I mean, if anyone can <laughs> use a receiver, it was the Jets. But it seems like every receiver that goes to the Jets ends up dying somehow. Uh, Anderson, I guess, is somewhat the exception to the rule, but. Didn't exactly fulfill expectations, is what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it's I I don't disagree, uh, but I'm rooting for him. You know, as as a New York native, I'd much rather be the rich mother. What the hell? Now now you're rubbing off of me. I'd much rather <laughs> the Jets be good than the, than the Giants. Uh, but a- anywho, move on to the third round. Uh, we didn't we didn't trade on day two. Eighty four, we take Terrell Lewis, an edge rusher, outside linebacker, kind of finally addressing a position of of need. Terrell Lewis, I, his YouTube was great. He's big. He's lean. Six five, two fifty eight. Uh, seems like he could develop into at worst a a good situational player here, but at best, a really solid starter on the edge. And this year. He'll have Leonard Floyd there, Samson Ibukam. He'll probably be the third guy, maybe overtake one of those two as the season goes on. But I, I like this pick. I, I don't really have any complaints. Okay, so let me put it this way. This is by far my favorite pick out of the entire draft. I love this pick. And really the reason why is because I feel like with Lewis – the only thing that's going to hold this guy back isn't his skill, isn't his, well, certainly isn't his uh, his physique because this guy's a monster. Uh, it's going to be health. If he stays healthy, the Rams got the steal of the draft, and that's basically what it boils down to. This is the only risk I see in this guy is if he can stay healthy. And let me tell you, if, if he stays healthy, the Rams got themselves a huge prospect that they'll have to try and figure out how to pay at some point in the future again. You know, I, I really have that much confidence in, in Lewis. And th- this was actually a position of need, you know. Um, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that Lewis is going to be a starter day one because this is still the NFL. There's still some things you got to learn. And um, unless you're Chase Young, there's not many 
you know, anybody in the defensive front that I feel like is is a, a surefire starter. So the fact that Lewis drops down so low because of his injuries, I think this was a, a good risk. And if he's if he's healthy, I think the Rams have a have a good jam, uh, gem here. So, um, Steve, how are you feeling? I, I, I agree. I like this pick. Uh, you know more about the, the prospect than me, but he seems like, like he should translate well into the NFL. And even if he's not a day one starter, he's he seems like he's going to play from day one. Uh, his competition for that third role is like Oboe and Ja'Kai <laughs> Polite. Uh, who you never fucking know, man. Maybe maybe Jakai Polite emerges as a player next year. But uh, yeah, I, I really I like this pick. It was we dressed a need, we dressed it well, we dressed it I, maybe at the right time. Uh, this is fine. This is a good pick. I'm happy with it. One one oh four. Now, Johnny, I'm sure a lot of people are in your Denzel Mim situation here too, because we haven't drafted a linebacker yet. Akeem Davis Gaither from App State is still sitting there and we go with Terrell Burgess, a hybrid safety out of Utah, guy who seems like he could step into the slot and play the Nikel Roby Coleman role or help out at safety. Maybe he bumps to safety when Taylor Rapp's playing that hybrid inside linebacker role. Uh really just kind of like a Swiss Army knife secondary from from what I've read about him. And uh the kind of guy the Rams have liked having in the past, like LaMarcus Joyner, who played in the slot and then eventually moved to safety. Uh, Not that they're, they really have any similarities at all outside of that, but uh, this, I would have liked to go linebacker here more. I would have rather had Davis Gaither, but Burgess seems like a solid prospect. Uh, Late bloomer, well-respected guy, uh, only started his senior year. Didn't really, get any starts before that. What what you think about this? I, I think it's a, a decent, solid pick that could really pan out. It, it's definitely a solid pickup, and I know it, it um, made a lot of people confused at first just because, I, I mean, this isn't really a guy that's going to compete for a starting safety role, but this is a guy that's going to compete for uh, playing the nickel corner um, and occasionally will step in to play safety, and I imagine even at some point, you know, stepping down a little bit uh, to play linebacker, too, uh, if he bulks up. Right now, uh, not so much. But the way I see it is I, I, I like this this pick a lot because there's so much to unfold with this guy because there's so much potential. And um, while it may not have been a true, true need at this point, uh, I, I'm not going to lie. I could have, I would have preferred the Gaither's pick, but in the end, I, I can understand why they did it. It still is something to address because it, it also tells me that they're not completely sold on, on David long, which is something I think you and I <clears throat> kind of, uh, suspected because they didn't really play long at all last year which is amazing because this was a draft class that got probably the most usage right away. So the fact that Long wasn't used right away, and I'm, I'm not writing him off or anything, don't get me wrong. I still think there's a lot of potential there. It's just there's going to be a lot more competition there, 
And I feel like competition is always a great thing, which we'll probably hear a lot about competition later on. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it, this gives the Rams options, I would say. Oh, wow, I just got the competition reference, and I'm psyched. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm i waiting all podcasts to talk about that pick. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it's a pick that gives him options. He's a versatile player, like, he could bump back into safety, and because they didn't draft any inside linebackers, maybe they bumped Taylor Rapp into the box to be the second inside linebacker on some downs when they don't have a nickel corner on the field. Uh, or, or yeah, it, it gives them options. I think both him and Rapp will be moving around a bit. Uh, cor- he'll move corner a little. I bet Rapp bumps up and plays linebackers because I don't, I don't think they put uh, Burgess in in the box at linebacker over over rap as long as they trust him over the top but he he adds some depth to the secondary and you mentioned it's not the biggest need it's a bigger need for this season than receiver and running back i'd say so it's it was a good pick and i like this uh fourth round we we bumped down a couple picks we originally 126 we bumped down to 136 to pick up some seventh rounders later on and we take Bryson Hopkins, a tight end out of Purdue. Uh, the scouting reports I've read on him, his player comp was Jared Cook. So I already hate him. Uh, I won't. I won't hold that again against him. But seems like a good receiving tight end. Uh, the Draft Network scouting report on him was he should be a solid tight end too that thrives in twelve personnel, which is basically what we'd be drafting him for. Uh, and it, it, this pick is a little head scratch to me. A lot of people are saying like, well, this, they drafted Gerald Everett's replacement. Either they're going to trade him or he walks next year. But like, did we really need to draft our fucking backup tight ends replacement before we draft an inside linebacker? Like, did we need to address that? Was that such an important position and need? Uh, it's not the, it's not the worst thing that we could have done, but like, like we're drafting tight ends before we take a linebacker man or an offensive lineman so th- this uh this move i kind of equate similar to like cam Akers in a way uh, it's a little more out there just because the rams are kind of stacked at tight end with uh tyler higby and gerald everett but i think there's just like a complete lack of faith in in everett just because even last year I felt like he was so underutilized and we were all wondering, well, why? And it's just becoming more and more obvious that there's just no faith in him, Um, which is disappointing because I feel like there's a lot of potential there and uh, the Rams just haven't tapped into that potential yet. So this still kind of puzzles me because I think it would have made more sense had the Rams traded Gerald Everett during the draft. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that he won't be traded, you know, for the rest of the offseason. Doesn't necessarily mean he won't be traded at midpoint, which is more or less what I'm expecting. Yeah, um, yeah I'm, I'm kind of expecting a team to, you know, call in about him during midseason. And... uh at that point, I suppose the value will go up a little bit, especially for a team that's kind of challenging for the playoffs. So, in a way, I can see where they're strategizing there, and they just 
maybe fell in love with Bryson Hopkins. There is a lot to like about Hopkins. Um, I, I feel like uh, Hopkins matched up with the Higby is going to be uh, a really, really awesome tandem. But I also felt the same way about Everett. So this was a bit of a head scratcher. Um, not entirely hating the pick. Um, I, I feel like I don't like the Jefferson pick a little bit more. But um, it, there could have been better options to go there. And the fact that they went with a backup tight end for basically 2021 uh, is is uh, kind of puzzling to me. But yeah. um, I don't I, I think what people need to realize here is that Steve and I aren't necessarily saying that Hopkins isn't a good player. He is a very talented player. And I think that he will contribute. It's just in terms of value, in terms of what to get now, that's kind of the frustrating part. And and I we we should say this too. This is a late fourth round pick. So like if he doesn't work out, it'll set the Rams back literally nothing. Uh if if it does work out as, you know, late round picks when you hit them, they they really like up the the schedule of, of where your team's going because you don't expect those guys be big producers, so we'll see. But when you take a tight end here, like what, what, like the best case scenario uh, doesn't really move the needle on your team at all. Like the best case scenario is he's a really good tight end. Well, then we have we have two of them. I mean, at, at the time, I don't know. I don't know. I'm kind of just ranting about nothing right now. I uh, yeah, it's his tape seemed okay. He didn't really wow me, but he's we'll see. We'll see. Uh, he'll be on the team for a while, I'm sure. Sixth round, we did. We didn't have a fifth round pick. Sixth round, we took Jordan Fuller, safety at a Ohio State. Johnny, I'm not gonna lie, I did not have time to research this guy. What do you think? <laughs> <laughs> just, so just uh, one honest. thing to uh, no, I mean, it, uh, so basically, one thing to know about a lot of these later picks like the sixth and seventh round picks a lot of these guys are essentially being chosen to fill a either a very niche specific role which is the case for fuller um or b uh special teams with fuller he is technically a safety but um this is i have a feeling that that Fuller is going to have more of that Marky Christian-like role. Because a lot of people, I don't think, realize that by losing Marky Christian, he was a huge loss. Like, he may not have been a starter per se, but he had the impact of starter in a lot of ways. He fulfilled a lot of different needs on the field, especially when um, John Johnson went out with an injury. You know, it allowed Taylor Rapp to go back safety, which is kind of nice. So having a guy like Fuller, I feel like is going to be necessary because in a lot of different ways, he reminds me of Marquis Christian. And I feel like, too, we can potentially use him in that uh, hybrid uh, safety linebacker like role, too, more so than like, say, Burgess. so I, I like that aspect of his game and uh, having another guy like a Marquis Christian, 
I, I think is really cool. And and keep in mind too that this is a front office that knows how to scout safeties. So Fuller isn't just a uh, a really talented young guy. I feel like this is a guy that that has good leadership skills. You keep in mind the type of defensive back that Ohio State had. You know, uh, there, there's uh, <laughs> there was a lot to appreciate there. Um, yeah, I I don't. Steve, do you know how many defensive backs that uh, Ohio State in particular had? They, I feel like they produce like an entire secondary's worth of defensive backs every season. It feels like. The, they have their pedigree. It's like uh, like Wisconsin linemen almost. No, seriously. Like this is this is uh, DBU. Like seriously, there there is so many good, talented uh, uh, defensive backs that come out of Ohio State. And what impressed me the most about Fuller is this is a guy that was a team captain. I think I read. Um, that he was a team captain. Now I didn't know that about Fuller. Um, so the fact that you have a guy that's a team captain and isn't as highly praised as some of his teammates are, I, I think that that says a lot about the guy. So um, personally, I, I like the pick. It's a sixth round pick. Keep in mind, and um, it fulfills a need that people don't even realize the Rams have. Because uh, I, I think if the Rams had the money, they would have tried to go out and sign a marquee Christian. It doesn't seem like a lot of money, but the Rams are pinching pennies here. <laughs> it's some money. Uh, since 2016, Johnny, Ohio State has produced seven first-round uh, defensive backs, which is pretty insane. Yeah, I mean, and, and this year, uh, they had two this year, so... Fuller was was a third defensive back, but yeah, that's a good that's a good point about Christian. Uh, he, we kind of expected Taylor Rapp to take over the Marquee Christian role last year, and he did until John Johnson got hurt, and then Marquee Christian went back into the Marquee Christian role. So you might see Fuller in that role. You might see, as I mentioned, you know Burgess pop up to safety and Taylor Rapp step in. But it adds depth, and if somebody gets hurt, he's going to have to step into that role either way. So, yeah, uh, addressing another safety, I'm fine with the pick. Uh, next guy off the board for the Rams, so they had three third-round picks. They took they they finally addressed inside linebacker in the seventh round with Baylor inside linebacker Clay Johnson, who seems like an absolute lunatic in a good way uh, on the field. He he's a, this pick actually got a decent amount of praise. He seems like a really lovable guy. Uh, at worst, should have a role in special teams. But had it not been for injuries, and he's you know, we say had it not been for injuries, that means he has an injury risk. But he might have been an even higher pick. He played really well at Baylor. And uh, if you're gonna wait until the seventh round to take an inside linebacker, I guess this is the kind of guy you want to draft, right? Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, again, as we said, there, there's when you're looking at these lower round picks, you you really do want to secure a guy for either a special teams role or uh, a specific role. And in terms of of Clay here, 
I, I think there's there's more to like about this guy. It isn't just a special teams role. I mean, obviously that's worst case scenario, right? He gets a special teams role or, you know, practice squad. That's kind of what you expect out of a seventh round pick anyway. I suspect there's a, a little more that we can expect from him. Um, you know, whether it be a backup, like a immediate backup role, uh, which let's face it, the the Rams is uh, inside linebackers. There's not a lot of competition, so it wouldn't even surprise me if he, you know, challenges a starting spot. Now, I don't think that it's going to happen right away, but give him a little time and we'll see what he develops into. I I, I love this pick a lot. Um, I would say I'd go as far as to say that was probably my third favorite pick uh, in the entire draft uh, behind, you know, obviously Lewis and uh, Akers. It, it, he could feasibly win the inside linebacker job because who the fuck else is going to win it? Uh, it's it's an absolute crapshoot. Everybody has a chance. And if only Dakota Allen were still with us on the Rams, uh, he'd be my choice. <laughs> but he's not. But yeah, man. I you I I I think you nailed it. It's a, it's a great pick, and you know, in the seventh round, you get a guy that has some upside, like some real upside. In the seventh round, you you're not always going to find guys like that. Um, my my favorite pick of the draft, two forty eight, Sam Sloman, kicker out of Miami, Ohio. We add a third kicker to the roster. This went from being a duel to an all-out fucking battle royal that we're going to see in an offseason that might not even happen to settle our kicker to replace Greg Zerline, uh, joining an already crowded field of kickers with uh, Austin McGinnis and LH, who I'm not going to try to pronounce his name, from from up north in, in Canada. Um uh, I tried to look up Sam Sloman highlights, Johnny, and they do not exist. Uh, but he hit 26 out of 30 field goals last year. He was 4 or 5 from 50 yards or more. Didn't miss an extra point. 52 touchbacks on 75 kickoffs. Uh, you know, it, it's got some promise, man. We've drafted kickers late before that have turned out. Uh, I, I'm here for it. I'm all in on this kicker duel. Uh, look, before, before you say... Why are they wasting a seventh-round pick on a kicker? There was like five, seven picks left in the draft. And, I mean, if you're a kicker, you might not be signing with a team that already has two on the roster. So uh, you take your chance. You draft him. Here we are. We drafted another kicker. I love it. Yeah, I mean, I, personally, I love it just because <laughs> it, it's like the – ultimate kicking competition i don't recall ever having such an amazing kicking competition there's actually a lot to be excited about this competition because when you really think about it you got a kicker that was a stud in the cfl you have a kicker that was a stud in the af slash xfl and now you have a kicker that was a stud in college football that is mind-blowing and well, we don't know what any of these guys will pan out to be. It's it's something to look forward to because they're you know, they haven't none of them have really competed in the NFL, at least much anyway. Um so 
to have all this competition there, I think they're going to bring the best out of out of each other. And that's basically what the Rams are trying to do is find the best kicker available. That is with that is wallet friendly. And uh, I think they did it. Uh, So, again, as Steve mentioned, seventh round pick, you know, not many picks left in this draft. Why not take a take a risk here and not even a risk. It's it's really just why not just use a seventh round pick on a potential guy that can be a damn good kicker for you. Why not? Right. Yeah. Like, like why why not? This it, you just mentioned. You want to take chances on guys that could produce in special teams slate, and you get a kicker that might. And he enters a a very healthy kicking competition. You have three guys. One of them has got to be able to produce at this level so i'm stoked for that i i just did some quick research while you were talking 1997 we had jeff wilkins until 2007 then we switched right to josh brown and then the 2012 we switched right to greg zerline who correct me if i'm wrong i don't really think like i think it they gave the job to greg zerline like i don't think there was a competition there right no not really it was just to fulfill a need but I, I mean, they saw they they obviously scouted Zerline and they they saw enough to know that they had something special, right? And and a six round pick, so uh, it, it seemed he, he was pretty much a lock to be that starter. But so literally, uh, we've had decades of stability at the position. I don't like I could go back and look at who was the kicker before Jeff Wilkins. Uh, I'm gonna do that right now, but I. I'm not gonna look up if if there was a kicking competition before before the 1996 season. Oh, we actually had two kickers that year: Chip LaMiller and Carlos Huerta. I, I, I'm not gonna lie; I don't remember any of them. <laughs> well, Johnny, I was uh, two during this season, two or three, so I do not either. Uh, <laughs> Chip. Carlos La Huerta um, only played in the 1996 season. So, uh, played one game for the Rams. Would love to get him on the pod to talk about that one game uh, for the St. Louis Rams. Uh, All right. But last pick, uh, Tremaine Ancrum, a guard out of Clemson. So, we wait till 250 to address the offensive line. I don't really have takes on him specifically, but... Clearly, this means that we're pretty high on a room of guys that we have right now that they didn't feel like they I, they I'm going to guess they didn't really even consider addressing this pick or addressing the situation unless somebody they loved fell uh, to the second round. Uh, absolutely. Uh, I, I think um, you and I kind of foresaw this happening anyway. Um, in fact, uh Though I, I did want, I'm not going to lie, I did want Josh Jones. And um, he was kind of one that I was hoping uh, it, with one of the second round picks that the Rams would have ended up getting him. Yeah. He had dropped so. I was amazed. He had dropped so much that it makes me wonder what teams didn't like in him that he dropped so far down. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean anything because that happens sometimes. It's just a weird process. But uh, there was obviously something that teams didn't really 
want a chance on him until later on. So um, I, I suppose that's why, you know, in the Rams' case, they seem content with the guys they have. And I think had they been able to get a guy like Cesar Ruiz, uh, they might have been able to, but that wasn't even close to happening. So overall, I, I think they are very content with the squad they have. And in reality, if you look at the, the group they have, they have a, a fair amount of offensive linemen, you know. Uh, it, it's not as though that they can draft, a, you know, a few more offensive linemen and uh, they can keep all of them. They would have to cut somebody. And, uh, well, I, I don't think anyone would argue that having uh, a lot of offensive linemen is a bad thing. But uh, really, there's a lot when you think about it, especially at guard. That's why it kind of confused me when people were wanting a guard. I understand you want a better guard, but A, the Rams couldn't sign a better guard. They, they couldn't afford him. And B, uh, as far as offensive lineman goes, again, it's debatable whether or not you're going to draft a guy that's going to be better or about the same as what you have now. So, And you don't want to draft worse, so that's kind of the argument there. Uh, with <laughs> with uh, Tremaine, I, I I think I think this was kind of a okay. Let's take a chance on on this guy. It, it's literally the last pick we have, so let, let's kind of throw at him. Um, it, it, it's kind of interesting with with him because he played both tackle and center. And I've never actually seen – I've seen where, you know, you've played center and guard. And occasionally I've seen guard and tackle, but I have never actually seen somebody play from tackle or center. Uh, it's weird. And, and the reason being is because um, he should be an interior lineman. He is completely undersized at tackle. Uh, the reason that he's at tackle is because Clemson just desperately needed uh, a tackle, and so he just fulfilled the role. Um, so as long as the Rams don't use him as a as a tackle, I think we should be good. Uh, you know, I, I'm totally up for experimenting with him as a potential center. Uh, Clemson coach had nothing but praise to say about the guy. Uh, I have no idea if he's going to pan out to anything, but from what his coach was saying, uh, sounds like he's a, he's pretty solid that, um, in terms of how a player mentality, I think he's really solid there. So anytime you get a guy with a good head on his shoulders, that's always a positive note. And, uh, uh, Hey, if he, if he challenges for center over like say Brian Allen, I'm okay with that. I mean, he two-year starter, or yeah, two-year starter at tackle at the most successful college program over the last two years. So, uh, while that doesn't mean everything, that's certainly nothing to scoff at. Uh, yeah, he's, you know, I you never know, you never know with these guys. I think that's a, that's a good guy to take a risk on this slate. Uh, I'm not gonna say you're gonna act like I have like hardcore takes in the guy, but to to echo what you said about liking what we have, I mean, we we have options 
at both guard and tackle. They're not like incredible options, but they're options nonetheless. So I I don't hate where we're at. I, I, I like David Edwards a lot. I think he could produce. We'll see with Austin Corbett. Maybe Joe Nopum comes back and plays really well. He wasn't horrible last year. Uh, and then you got Blythe at center. I don't think it was a, a huge pressing need. And I'm I'm more fine with them not really addressing line much more fine than I am with them not addressing inside linebacker. But Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No they, question there. Yeah, because they have options at line. You know, I'd love to have a guy of Joe Noteboom's caliber in our inside linebacking goal right now. We don't <laughs> our our front runner to win the job didn't play last year and barely played the year before. So it was a fifth round pick. So that, that's where we're at. Um, you got any any final thoughts in this draft class? Uh, just it, it's going to be interesting to see how some of these weapons are going to be used. I'm talking primarily offensively with the uh, with um, Acres, Jefferson, and even uh, Hopkins to an extent. So uh, I, I'm really excited. Uh, I, I am intrigued to see what they end up doing with both Acres and Henderson. It's going to be interesting to see how the Rams pan out, and hopefully we have a season to actually see that happen. With. That that would certainly be ideal <laughs> if we have a season. But we'll be back next week, touch on the undrafted free agents and whatever else other news there is. But uh, follow me on Twitter at CRobero. Follow Johnny at Johnny5 not 6 and we will talk to you then. most of the time. control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.